We're going to talk about Job this morning. He's not an easy person to talk about, and his situation is not easy. But it's real. And we go through some of the same things, and we need to find out that the same God that took care of this man, Job, is capable of taking care of you and of taking care of me. Amen? Okay, let's go to Job chapter 1. And the title is, Why Me, God? Why didn't you pick on Gary? Why did you pick on me? Pick on somebody else. This is what we're going to find, okay? Job, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. There was a man, and you need to take pictures of what's going on here. You really need to get your cameras out, your spiritual cameras, and begin to say, what, what, what did he just say? What did he mean? What's going on there? Because it's filled with that. It's filled with questions. Get your trowels out and start digging, and you'll see things that I've never seen before as I began to study for this message, okay? There was a man in the land of Uz, some say Uz, I think it's Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions, are you ready for this? Also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and remember we said it takes two oxen to fit into a yoke, so that tells me there's a thousand, okay? 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, and that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. I'm guessing that's his birthday. So a little bit of a festival. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, their birthday cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Like God didn't know. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming around the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, I love this, have you considered my servant Job? You've been messing around, walking around, doing your thing. But have you, have, have you noticed my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth. See, if you don't dig when you're reading, if you read too quickly, you go past some things like you can't believe. This is Almighty God speaking. To the devil who he kicked out of heaven. For there is no one like him on the earth. A blameless, not a perfect, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? <laughs> Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. You know what Satan's doing? He's giving God the credit right there in that verse for every good thing that's happened to Job. Somebody needs to say amen. 
Even Satan recognized that. Let's go on. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Huh. Why me, God? <clears throat> Verse 1 talks, us, talks to us about Job's character. The scripture said he was blameless. He was upright. He feared God, which means he had respect for God. And he turns from evil. May I make a suggestion? You have to recognize evil before you turn away from it. He recognized evil. You have to recognize it for yourself. I have to recognize it for myself. I can't go looking around and say, oh, let me tell you, that's evil for you, Anthony, but it's not for me. No, no. You recognize evil for what's going on in your life, and you have to take care of that. He recognized what was evil, and he turned from it. It was a personal walk with God. In verse 2, we see about his family. He has seven sons and three daughters. It's a nice family. They get together. In verse 3, we see that Job is a businessman. We already mentioned he has 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 500 female donkeys, and many servants. Think about it for a moment, folk. What kind of reputation does this man have? God said out of his mouth, he's the greatest of all men of the earth. All men of the east, he is the greatest. And his net worth, according to, to Google, check it out. You can go to the computer and check it out. His net worth of all the animal stuff that he has, his net worth is $56 million of today's cash. Now think back with me and go back to that time and think what we're talking about when we're talking about $56 million of value in his day. Is there a possibility that Job's Christian influence on that world that he lived in was a threat to the devil? Isn't, isn't God saying he's the greatest on the earth? <clears throat> greatest guy around? He knows evil, turns away from it. God's bragging on him. And he's bragging on him to the devil because he knows that the devil wants to kill Job. God knows what he's given you. God knows the talents he's put in your life. He knows every one of them. So does the devil. And the devil does not want us to serve him, Anthony. It's the last thing he wants. He didn't want me serving him when I was 16 and gave my heart to the Lord. Too bad, devil. Yeah. He sees you just where you are, just like you are, and then he makes a decision like he made with Job. He said, Job is the greatest guy around here. And Job is a threat to the devil. Well, let, let's look at Job as a father, verse 4 and 5. <clears throat> he's got seven sons. He's got three daughters. And they have a tendency to have feasts. I think that's great. Probably birthdays, maybe some festivals of some sort or, 
or, or, or a holiday, we don't, we don't know. But they held a feast, each of the boys would hold a feast on their day, and they'd invite all the rest of the family, and they'd invite the three sisters. Well, I'm guessing that the boys were married, and I'm guessing that the girls were married. So we've got ten children and probably ten spouses. So we've got a bunch of people going to housing every year for every holiday, for every birthday, what's going on, and they're having a good time. If he's worth all of that, you know they're worth something. So I don't think it's a a, a far-fetched at all to know that when they had their feast, they had a feast. Come on. They're going to have a good time. Why not? God's the greatest. Their their father's the greatest guy around in the East. Their dad's the richest guy. He's the most influential. You know that they've got to be part of that same system so that they get together once a year and have all these good parties. However, I have a question. I have a lot of questions in this message. Did some of these parties get out of hand? Too much drinking? Lemonade? Who was that that laughed at me? Don't look. Were they uh, criticizing people in the church? Were they gossiping about brother and sister so-and-so? I don't like the way brother so-and-so combs his hair. Well, yeah, well, brother so-and-so doesn't have any hair. Well, I still only... Do you, do you see what's going on that, that could be going on in a party with family... All this innocent stuff, but maybe not so much nice stuff. And the scripture tells us that just in case, verse 5, when the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would sin and consecrate them. He's going to do something as a father. He's going to take the initiative and the responsibility as a father to do something for his kids that his kids won't do for themselves. And that is to pray that they have done nothing wrong in God's sight. If they have, he's going to offer sacrifice for them so that they can get out from under that garbage. He'd rise up early in the morning. He'd take his sacrifices, burnt offerings, depending on how how many of them were there. And he said this, maybe, just maybe, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. Well, let me tell you something. Job's not too rich and Job's not too busy to pray for his kids. He has a routine intercession for his family. Can I ask a question? You know what the question is, don't you? Are we too busy to pray for our kids? Why would you think that your kids don't need your prayer? What would make you think that? Oh, my kids are okay. They're doing it. My kids are married. You really? I'm still praying for my kids. All of them. It was routine with Job. I cannot be too busy to pray for my family. Because they are part of me. I gave birth to all of them in a function. There's a battle going on, folks. Let me tell you something. There's a battle going on for our children. That battle is headed up by the devil. Do you know that it just just happened? The state of Washington, I believe it's the state of Washington, just passed a bill. 13 and under can go to these uh, clinics or whatever they are 
without their permission of the parents, if they feel that they need to change their gender, they can go there and get it done, and the parents don't even have to know. You want to tell me the devil's after our kids? You want to tell me maybe it's time for us to pray for our kids? You want to tell me it's time maybe to get serious about who we are when we come to church and we sing songs and we raise our hands, and that's good. But maybe we should be digging and digging and digging and digging and realizing that the devil wants your kids to destroy them. Just like, like he wanted to destroy me. And he couldn't. Because the, but because Jesus stood in his way. There's a battle going on for our families in this country, in the world. Do we have a war plan against Satan? <laughs> well, what's next on the agenda? Well, let's, let's find out. God and Satan have a fight over Job, verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> See, this is all about a fight. The Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Which he knew. Satan said, oh, I've been running around, roaming around, checking here, checking there, making as much noise as I can, doing as much, many bad things as I can, telling the states that their kids can have operations, whether mommy and daddy know about it. I've done a lot of things. I'm roaming around, he said. I'm roaming around and I'm looking for ways to destroy people. See, Satan is not lazy. From where do you come? I'm roaming around the earth, walking around it, and I see certain things. I see all these good people that come to New Hope. And I see the moms and dads. And I see the kids. I'm going to get the kids. Moms and dads are a little old. I can't touch them. But, oh, I can work on the kids. You better be praying for your children. I'm roaming around. And now all of a sudden, God in verse 8 kind of looks at this idiot we call Satan. And he begins to brag about Job. Folk, I don't know if you can catch the depth of that. Almighty God has chosen a man to brag about. To the devil. Have you seen him? Have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like him. Where in the Bible has there, is there another passage <clears throat> that says about a human <clears throat> that there's nobody like him? I don't know of one. There may be one. I just don't know about it. Almighty God is speaking and he's saying, you haven't really looked around, have you? You haven't noticed what kind of people I have living for me. You haven't noticed the army that I have, God is saying, because this man, <clears throat> he is upright. He is blameless. Blameless, <coughs> excuse me, is not perfect. Blameless means you know what your job is and you do it. Go to work. Your boss sees you coming into work. Hi, good morning. Good to see you. Good. Oh, by the way, can I, can I talk to you for a moment? Yeah, sure. What's that? I saw what you did last week, and you did a good job at the, at the office last week. You really did a blameless job. Does that mean, does that mean I'm perfect? No, no, no. But I know what I'm doing because I'm supposed to be doing a certain thing. And God has directed my way. God is saying to the devil, this man Job is blameless. This man Job fears me. He respects me. He can see evil coming at him and he turns away from evil all the time. Up until this very moment, there is not one black mark against Job. And now we've got God and Satan fighting 
over this man. The enemy is fighting over you. He's fighting over me. He doesn't want me preaching here. He doesn't want you here. He doesn't want you praising God and raising your hands. He doesn't want you giving. To, he doesn't want you having picnics and having a nice time. He does not want you influencing this valley. <laughs> can I just be me for a moment? Sure I can. You see God looking over at Satan and saying, have you seen that crew at New Hope? You see those crazy people at New Hope? They're mine, God's saying. They're good people. And Satan said, well, yeah, I look around and see them, but uh, no, no. Listen, Satan, those are my people. They're blameless. They love me. They respect me. They fear evil. They turn from evil because they know who I am. What is God saying about us to the devil? How is God bragging about us? He bragged about Job, that's for sure. I think God loves to brag. That's just my personal opinion. Is he saying to the devil, look how much New Hope loves me? Is he saying to the devil, do you notice how faithful New Hope is to me? Is he saying to the devil, you know, I need New Hope. See, God needed Job because Job was an influence to his entire generation. One man was influencing that entire mob of people that he dealt with. If you're worth 56 million now, guess what you were worth then if it was 56 million? Guess the influence you had then at 56 million? I, I don't have 56, I'm, I'm working on it. I've got 55 point. Three, two, six. no, not quite 56. Guess his influence on his community. And God is saying, he belongs to me and I need him because he's influencing people toward me. Why do you think you have what you have? Why do you think God has blessed you the way he's blessed you? Just so you can have a good time? Now, folk, trust me. I'm not, a, I'm not against you having a good time. I'm not against you working hard and being rewarded for it. and being, I, That's fine, okay? But is that the only reason he has blessed us? Or is he interested in us sharing? I, I don't, I'm not telling you to give your dollars away. That's, is he interested enough in us sharing with other people the power of the blessings of God in our lives? That's Job. One man. One man. Well, in verse 9 through 12, Satan throws the counterpunch. <laughs> he says, does Job fear God for nothing? Oh. Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hand. True. And his possessions have increased in the land. Absolutely true. But put forth your hand now. Touch all that he has. He'll surely curse you to your faith. Really? Then the Lord said to Satan, go ahead. All that he has is in your power. Careful now. You may not like God all of a sudden. If you think God is saying to the devil, go ahead. Mess around with Dean. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mess around. I can trust Dean. Go ahead. You may not like that, Dean. Anybody else in here? You may not like that. 
But God said, go ahead. <clears throat> Behold, <clears throat> all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. See, there's a limit to what God will allow to come into your life as testings and trials. There's always a limit. God will never go over that limit because he knows what that is. He knows what it's supposed to be. He knows you are not supposed to go beyond what you could possibly handle. He knows what you can handle. Now, you know, any of you people who've, who own businesses and, and you, you employ employees, you know what they can handle. And so you take Joe Blow because you know he can really handle it and you put him over here. But, but, but Sammy, whatever, he, he, you can't put him over there because he can't handle that. But he can handle over here. God knows what Job could handle. And Satan says, you just let me touch him and he will curse you face to face. If God lets Satan attack us, this is the question, will we cave? Will we curse God? I didn't sign up for this, God. I was 16 years old. I wasn't signed up for all this stuff you're making me go through now. <clears throat> I wasn't signed up for losing a wife at such an early age. I wasn't signed up for the physical problem. No, 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 no. God knows exactly what's going on in your life and what you can handle. And he will not overpower you with things you cannot handle, okay? Satan, Satan, God never gives Satan full control of our lives. Can I say that again? Never, never, never will God give the devil full control of your lives. Testing? Oh, yeah, we, we've gone through some of that, okay? I need you to put yourself in Job's place. I need you to take some pictures. I need you to get some feelings in you because suddenly something's going to happen. And I have to read it to you so that you see the, the terribleness. It's found in verses 13 through 19. Uh, it's, the catastrophe is so major that when you think about it, you go, my Lord, God, what were you thinking of? And maybe even uh, with, with, uh, with uh, Job, what was he thinking of? But Job's been faithful. So verse 13 through 19, this is what's going to happen. Now, on the day when his sons, Job's sons, and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job. And now, you might want to count the messengers. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Hmm. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, took them, slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. <coughs> and behold, <coughs> a great wind came from across the wilderness, <clears throat> struck the four corners of the house, 
It fell on the young people and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Did you count the messengers? How many? Yeah, one's not enough, is it? Four men came to him. Not one of them said, God loves you. <clears throat> not one of them said, God's on your side, you're going to be okay. Every one of them said, you just lost everything. Can I get you to fit in with Job at that point in his life? Right there, right there. Because I see Satan entering. <laughs> and I see, it's not in the scripture, this is me. I see Satan looking at Job and talking to Job saying, how do you feel about God now, Job? How do you feel now? You made this big commitment to God. You said that you would live for God. You, you asked God to forgive you of all your sins, and he said you're forgiven. And look, you lost it all because I'm doing my job as the devil, and you just lost it all because I made you lose it. How do you feel about God now? Some of you have gone through that experience. You don't have to say amen. Was your faithful walk appreciated by your God? Was your faithful walk worth it? Can you see the arrows of doubt that are being shot at Job by the devil? The devil has just jumped in and he has seen his opening. And listen to me. There will be openings in your life when you go through testings. There will be. And you need to know who you are in God. Because the devil is nobody in God. The devil's out. He's been kicked out. He's been booted out. He's going to spend eternity in hell in the lake of fire. But not you, not me. <clears throat> what do you think, Job? You think your God's okay now? <clears throat> Listen to Job's answer. Remember all that these four messengers just came. They told him he has lost $56 million worth of produce and, 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 and all the, the, the assets that he had, plus the slaves that he had working for him. He's lost it. But in verse 20, listen to what Job says. I, I, I find it hard to believe. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his, hell, his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. Give me a break. You can't believe that, preacher. It's hard to believe, isn't it? He arose, he got all this news, he arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and he worshipped God. Really? Really? Why isn't he cursing God? Why is he blessing him instead? Why is he hanging on to God? Why is he still trusting God when everything has been removed? Everything. Think about it just for one minute. Think about it. You walk out the door and there's somebody out there with a, with a piece of paper saying, hey, guess what, Gary? You don't own a thing. It's gone. Everything you thought was yours is no longer yours. You are at zero. You want to praise God now? Serious. I'm serious. You feel like, oh, sh shouting. and what? Oh, God, God is such a good God. I, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. He arose, 
tore his robe, sign of his being humiliated, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshiped. But it goes on. And here's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Stop, don't go any further. Understand this process. Understand what he's referring to. When he was born, he had nothing. He didn't even have a diaper. Are you with me? Naked I came from my mother's womb. I don't have a thing. Naked I shall return there. In other words, I'm going to die. So in the process of being born and in the, in the process of dying, I've had nothing here, but the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you know where you hear this scripture preached? Anybody? Take a guess. Come on. Where do you hear this scripture used? What? No, where? At what, what occasions is this scripture often used? Huh? Uh, there you go. Funeral. Where the preacher says, Naked I came from the mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord blessed be. Yeah. Because you just laid to rest that person that you loved. And it's gone. You can't get it back. He couldn't get back himself what was just taken from him. But he could continue to worship God. And that's where we are. That's what we need to see. He worshipped God. He hung on to God. He trusted God. He didn't listen to the devil. <clears throat> he did not sin. Right? That next verse says, In all of this, through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. I don't need to go into the blaming God thing. If anything has ever happened to you, if you've lost something of precious to you, if you've lost a loved one, whatever. You've sat back and went like, okay, God, what do you think you're doing? Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Well, he worshiped God. He hung on to God. What, a, what an awful test to go through. But it gets worse. We go to the second test, chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. The devil's not through yet. The devil didn't win on the first time around, so the devil wants to shoot again. And God says, okay, you got another bullet in your gun, let's see what it does. So in chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord, just like before, Okay. The Lord said to Satan, just like before, where have you come from? And Satan answered, the Lord said, from roaming around on the earth and walking. Just, just like we read before, okay? The Lord said to Satan, now this has just changed just a little bit from the first time. Have you considered my servant Job? Mm -hmm, yeah, I did. <clears throat> For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan's looking at God, and God's not backing away. He says, I know what you want. You want to try it again. And I did what you thought you could get away with, 
And you and I both found out he did not sin against me at all. He kept his integrity with me. Go on. Satan answered the Lord, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. However, put forth your hand now, touch his bone and his flesh. He'll curse you to your face. So the Lord said, okay. Shot number two. Behold, he's in your power. Only spare his life. Well, touch your body and he'll curse you. But spare his life. I have a question. I have a lot of questions. Who has control of your life? Hello? Oh, really? Satan thought he had control. If he could get God to back away, Satan thought, I'll get him now. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you, to me, to our family. He wants to get to us. He wants to make you think God has left you. He wants to make you think you are all alone. I'm telling you right now, you are not alone. You are not away from the presence of God. Who has control of your life? Not the devil. Not the devil. Oh, he, right now, <clears throat> he's covered with boils. They've, they've got to him now. He's scraping boils with a, with a pot's herd. He, he's trying to do everything he can to get rid of this garbage that's all over his system, all over his body. And he goes and looks in the mirror and he can't believe what he sees. He, this is not me. This is not the Rudy that I used to know. This is not the Rudy that preached all the preaching. No, 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 this can't be me. And there are times when you feel that way. When you've gone through some things in life that the devil has thrown at you, and you look in the mirror and say, what in the world is happening? This can't be me. His body had been touched by the devil, and Satan thought for sure he will curse God. Who has control of your life? <laughs> the devil? I don't think so. Mama comes in, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And please don't get angry with Mama, please. There are times when we might get angry with Mama, but don't. His wife said to him, honey, she called him honey. It's in my Bible, honey. I don't know what Bible you have, but I, it's my Bible. Honey, do you still hold fast your integrity? How would you like your wife to say that to you? Do you still hold fast your integrity? Are you still calling yourself a born-again Christian? Are you telling me you still want to go to church every Sunday? You want to be putting money in the offering? You want to, be doing, you, you want to help with the picnic? You want to make rocks and put them all over the country? So, what, are you crazy, baby? She called him baby, too. <laughs> Do you still hold fast your integrity? And she's saying, hmm, you're crazy. So why don't you just curse God and die? Oh, that sounds like an easy way out. That is exactly what the devil is looking for you to do. He's looking for you to stop fighting. Because he doesn't want to fight. Because he's afraid of you. Hello? He knows who lives in you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is afraid of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and in mine. Curse God and die. No, I'm not going to curse God and die. No, I'm not going to give up. No, I'm not going to believe that God has left me. And whatever some of you are going through right now, right now in this room, listen to me. God has not left you. It is not time to curse God and die. Next verse. 
But he said to her, baby, he called her baby. He really called her some other things too, but we won't go there. <laughs> you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Now, don't get angry, ladies. He's dealing with a system. Okay, a biblical system. You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Are we so pure that the only thing we expect God to do for us is good? Give me some more goodies, Lord. Come on. Oh, you, oh, you got another goodie? I need another car. Oh, oh, just, God, just give me the goodies. Is that what you think God's all about? You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Where are you this morning? What's going on in your life? I don't know what has brought you here to this moment in time. I don't know anything about your backgrounds. I haven't gotten anybody's encyclopedia that says, oh, let, let me see about Gary and Vanette, those crazy, I mean, those nice people. That, uh, uh, I see, I don't know anything about you guys. I know this. I know the devil doesn't like you. He doesn't like me. He doesn't want me here. Still giving me back problems to keep me from coming here. In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. See, Satan got the privilege of touching Job's body, but Satan never got the privilege of touching Job's life. And you may be going through some adversities, you may be going through some struggles. I understand that. And they're not nice. And I'm not suggesting you should, oh, it's okay, God. No, it's not okay. It hurts. Whatever the struggle is, it hurts, and you know that it hurts. And I'm not trying to make light of that. No, I'm serious about that. But this is why I'm serious, because God is there every moment of the time. It was bad advice from the wife to curse God and die, right? What have we gone through in our lives that we think we should curse God? And then die. Mm -hmm. Another question. What is our spiritual foundation based on? Just blessings? Oh, God bless me again, Gary. I'm so good. You <laughs> just bless me. And is that my foundation? Is that my spiritual foundation? Is that what I'm stuck on? Is that my firm footing? The blessing? Or is my footing... Related to who Jesus Christ. No. God is God no matter what. And what we are facing and what we are dealing with and who we will trust for victory is God. Job is human. I've got to close. Job is human. Chapter 3, verse 1. He's really human, folks. He's a mess. <clears throat> verse 1 says, I wish I never was born. Okay? He opened his mouth, cursed the day of his birth. Why was I ever born? Look at what I could have passed by, Gary, if, I'd, if Mama never had me. I'd have been saved all of this, spared all of this nonsense. My ten kids, my sheep, my goats, my, my camels, the donkeys. The, I could have, who needed the 56 million? If I wasn't here, who cares about all that stuff? So in his own human capacity, his own human feelings, okay, he's crushed. Because he's human. He feels this way 
because he can't see the future. Hello? He can't see the future, Lucas. He can only see what's happening to him right now. And he doesn't like that. But God can see the future. God sees what's going on in your life right now, and he also knows what's coming down the road here. And he comes, as you come closer to this landmark, this milestone in the road, the closer you get, the, the, the finer you're going to see that, that, that God is there, and suddenly you meet God at that milestone, even though you've been through hell to get there. And you have to choose whether or not you'll curse God and die, like she said, or move on. Well, Job couldn't see the future. He was crying because he felt God left him. He was crying because he felt the presence of God was gone. Go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, and let's look at the presence of God. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Now, this is not dealing with money. This is an issue here. Make sure that your character, your being, who you are, is free from the love of money, being content with what you have for. He himself, God, has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Now you know, Rick, that man's going to want to do all kinds of things to us. You know that We've got people who look at us and say, man, I wish they weren't around. I wish they were destroyed. I wish they were gone. We can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid, okay? God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. We stand on that solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. On Jesus Christ, I stand the solid rock. All other ground is Sinking sand. The foundation that we have through Christ is solid. Satan can't break that foundation. He can make you want to get off the foundation. He can make you think it'd be better. Because take a look over there, Rick, because that looks nice over there. Come on, let's go look at this. Instead, instead of staying on the foundation, he said, come with me, come with me. He can do that. But he can't make you leave the foundation. That's my choice, that's your choice. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do for me? Well, I've got to close. I said that, didn't I? To read the rest of the book of Job is very difficult, by the way. Job is a difficult book to read. Job's friends, through the process, when he lost everything, his friends have started, they, they, they first were at sympathy with him. Then they started accusing him of failing God. They started accusing him of sinning. They started accusing him of putting God second, putting other things first, okay? And they end up with God slapping them around. Go to chapter 42 of Job, okay? Because they turned on Job. That's why that, the rest of the book is very difficult to read. At first they think, oh, let me help you, Job. Let me put my arm around you. And after a while, they don't want to put their arm around him. They want to slap him. You're the fault. You're to blame. It's not God, it's you. That's what they're doing. And God doesn't like that. And they don't ask forgiveness for what they're doing to Job. So when we get to 42, which is the last chapter, 
in the book of Job, we read this. It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, he had his deal with Job, that the Lord said to Elipaz, the Temanite, it could have been Joe from Seattle instead of Elipaz, the Terminite, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore, this is God talking to the buddies, Job's buddies. Take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams. Go to my servant Job. Offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you. For I will accept him so that I may not do with you according to your folly. Job is going to stand in the way of God punishing Job's friends. Because you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. So Elipaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and so far the Nemanite went and did as the Lord told them and the Lord accepted Job. Wow. Through all of the garbage that Job went through, listen to me, listen to me. Through all the garbage that Job went through, Job hung on to God. He didn't like it. Let's not make this something that isn't true. He did not like what he went through. But he hung on to God. And because he hung on to God, his buddies attacked him. And because Job hung on to God, Job, God used Job to go back and bless his buddies who were attacking him. You need to hang on to God. Because God wants to use you to bless those who are attacking you and telling you to curse God and die. Get out of the church. Stop doing what you're doing. Don't support the church anymore. Get out of there. Don't listen to that Italian preacher. He's no good. Boy, nobody said amen to that. Thank God. He used Job to bless the adversary. How about you? How about me? We've got adversaries. We've got people who don't really care much about us. Wish that we weren't as spiritually crazy as they think we are. So God used Job. Go to chapter, go to verses 10 through 17. <clears throat> the Lord you got to believe this. He's prayed for his friends. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Twofold. Twice. Not his buddies. Not the devil. The Lord. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known him, this is Job's brothers and sisters, before, came to him. And they ate bread with him in his house. And they consoled him and they comforted him for on him. And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. I don't know how much money that was. And I don't know what those rings were worth. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Now, <laughs> he's got 14,000 sheep. And 6,000 camels. And 1,000 yoke of oxen, which is 2,000 ox. And 1,000 female donkeys. And he has seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, and the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuch. In all the land, listen to this, ladies. In all the land, no women were found as fair, which means as beautiful, as Job's daughters. And their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, 
Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his grandsons four generations. And he died an old man full of days. Did God allow Satan to attack him? Yeah. When God allowed Satan to attack him, did God say, you know, Job, I'm through with you? No. Are you going through some things right now and you're saying, God, where are you? I know the feeling. God has not let go of you. He will not let go of you. He's going to hang on to you. He's going to bless you. He's going to protect you. Yeah, you will go through some things and you will wish that you were never born, just like Job. Yeah, yeah, because you're human. And you'll wonder, where are you, God, just like Job? And then you, then you find out God restored everything. Do you think that Job ever doubted God again? Huh? See, when, when that moment comes where God steps in, and you suddenly look back and say, did I, I really went through all that? And I'm over here now? Do you think you're ever going to turn your back on God again? That's where some of you may be right now. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're going through. God is here for you. God will not leave you. It does, not, it does pay to serve God. We won't always understand the circumstances. Can we trust God? Young and old folks, I don't care who, how, how old you are, how young you are, can you trust God? You need to make up that decision now. Can I trust God? I was in a very bad state of mind when we first started traveling in the motorhome, just before we started traveling in the motorhome. We'd been on the road two years in a car going to little churches like yours, smaller churches than yours, smaller. And after two years, I was $15,000 in debt out of my own pocket. And I'm going, I can't do this. I cannot do this. It's just ridiculous, God. We'd go to little church after little church after little church. First offering in one little church for Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. My first offering was $35. That won't buy gas. Two years of that. And finally I'm saying, and I'm really depressed. I'm really. I wish my wife were here to tell you how I felt. And I'm saying, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't do this anymore. And we had some folk who were loving and kind and who were helping us. A little, you know, each month, $25 to help support us, $50 to help support us, which wasn't making it. And so I sent a letter out and said, uh, we're going to have to quit this ministry. We cannot afford it. We're $15,000 in debt. And I'm either going to have to get a job or go find a church to pastor because I can't do this anymore. I was gone. I mean, folk, I was worse than Job. And my wife knew it. She went to the post office. to our post office box, got the mail, came back home. We were at a friend's place. And she says, honey, we got some mail. I said, oh, good, that's good. Yeah, we got a letter from Jim and Edith, friends of ours. Oh, that's good. She says, yeah, here, open it up. So I opened it up and pulled out a check for $500. I thought, well, I'm going, huh, I'm 20, I'm 15 grand in, in the hole. 
But I said, I said, you know, you say stupid things. I said, well, I guess God knows where we live. And I put the envelope down. I'm still in bed. I won't get out of bed. That's how bad I am. She says, uh, take another look in the envelope. So I took another look in the envelope. And there was another check in there for $10,000. From a woman we never met. But my friends met her and knew her and interceded for us. Listen to me. There was, they sent another check for 5000 from the same lady so that we could buy a motorhome. Another check a couple of years later for another 10000 I mean, you want me to go on? It's not the money. It's the intervention of God Almighty in your life when you need it. We bought the motorhome. We gave him a $5,000 down payment. We drove away with a nice motorhome. We found out we loved the motorhome. We traded it in here in Las Vegas years later and bought a brand new one. And God helped us. How we made payments, I will never know except God. Have you seen my servant Job? He's a pretty good guy. He loves me. He turns from evil. He's not serving you, Satan. He's going to serve me no matter what you throw at him. See, there will be tests in our life. There will be. And Satan wants us dead. And God says, no way, Jose. They belong to me. New hope belongs to me. So here we are, new hope. We're here for a reason. We're here to worship God. We're here to evaluate who he is versus who we are. You need to evaluate in your personal life who are you and who is he and how can we come together and make it fit so that God gets the honor and the glory. God got all the honor and the glory of what, of what Job went through. And Job got double back. I'm not looking for double. Okay, you understand? That's not the issue here. The issue is God's faithfulness in taking care of you and taking care of me. Somebody say amen. amen. He loves us, folks. New hope? He loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to get those stones out so people can see where the church is and they can come and find God and kneel at this altar and know that Jesus Christ has forgiven them of their sins, washed away their sins, and made them new creatures in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's who he is. Job is a very hard book to read. I suggest you try it slowly. It's hard to digest, but little by little, you'll get it. Amen? Do you love the Lord? Say amen. amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we have examples from the Bible, your book. And we know the devil does not want us to succeed, but we also know that you keep your hand on us so that he cannot kill us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the protection. We thank you for the provisions that you give us when we thought there was nothing there. There was always something there. Lord, for whoever is here today, I want to pray for them. I don't want to embarrass them. So keep your heads bowed, please. Please keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I just feel that there's someone here 
that needs prayer for this kind of situation in your life, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to see your hand. I'm going to pray right here. Let me see your hand. You, yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see two hands. Thank Three hands. Thank you. Four hands. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You're going through something, and it's serious. And the devil wants you to fail. He just wants you dead. And God's bragging on you because he loves you. Anyone else before I pray? Anyone else? Okay, Father, you saw these dear people who raised their hand. And we know that you love us, so we return that love. Knowing that if we love you, we'll see what we're supposed to see, we'll turn from evil, we'll serve you to the very best of our ability, we'll revere you, we'll, re we'll respect you, and we'll obey you. Now, those folks that raised their hand, Father, you saw that because you know what their need is. And you, Holy Spirit, have touched them through this message. Not through me, through the message of your word, that you're faithful no matter what goes on. I'm asking you, Father, that by this time next week, by next Sunday, these people will have a testimony to share with others of how God has stepped into their life and brought victory. I come against you, the devil, because you're no good. You don't belong in this house. You don't belong in our lives. You don't belong in this valley. We do. This is our valley. God has given this to us. So I pray, God, you'll push the devil out of our lives, out of our systems in this valley, and give us the victories we need. Because we ask it together in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, Oh, how I love Jesus. Sing it.